Welcome to the first edition of the 2019-2020 Continental Catch-Up, part of the Ghost Gold Podcast. We like to take an episode every now and then to look at the rest of the continent, because we obviously focus on the Premier League's week-to-week activities. But we still have interests in France, in Italy, in Spain, in Germany, in a lot of the other leagues. And we'll talk about them on our soon-to-be-released Champions League preview pod. But we like to talk about the leagues as a whole, who are the teams in contention for each of the league titles, uh, what teams further down the table maybe are we going to be looking out for this season, whether it's based off of uh, young players that we're interested in, uh, young coaches who are up and coming. We're going to discuss each of those for uh, the the rest of Europe's so-called top five leagues. I'm Alex, uh, here with Javier. Javier, we kind of threw this together at the last minute. Uh, I feel like like you got it down there. Yeah, this looks... uh, I always look forward to these because... There's, there's a lot of young talent in these leagues, a lot of players that are coming up and new signings that, that people have made. Some of them are not as well-known as others, and it gives us a little time to highlight some of the some of the players that maybe one day will make it to the Premier League, and, and maybe early on you can start taking a look at them. And This is so patronizing. We're just like talking about them like, maybe one day they'll well, make just, it to the no, big time. No, just because we have the Premier League like <laughs> as our, you know, as our podcast, but but it's I mean, our it's our it's our primary. Yeah, I mean, they're league, all farmer sure. leagues to us all anyway. You know, <laughs> we send them our garbage, Mkhitaryan and Smallings, and you know, uh, uh, they well, give us well, back we'll their we'll Salas and Allison. So you know, it's all it's all, all right. Good. We'll we'll get to uh, we'll get to the garbage dump for sure. Uh, but let's start in France, uh, in uh, Paris, which is the only place you can really start any discussion about league on. Uh, nice deadline PSG. day signings. Icardi. Really nice deadline day signings. Uh, is the Icardi one 100% official yet? Yeah, Mario Icardi's official. He's been holding up the shirt, all that yeah. jazz, saying how much he loves the club. Well, no, it's on loan. All that bullshit. So I don't know if he loves the club, but. I mean, it's on loan, but he's leaving. Right. Like, I'm sure I'm he's sure just, they're going to buy I think him. He's, at near, he's near the end of his current deal, so he's probably. I mean, that's it's not too out of left field. We've seen PSG have crazier transfers than that when they surprise everyone and. They also uh, held Neymar's Neymar's held on calls. to Neymar, which is unexpected. I, I think like, that they were might gonna be get a crazier back in return. Uh, that might be a crazier uh, ending to that whole saga than uh, anyone else could have predicted. Because for weeks leading up to it, it was basically it seemed like a tug of war between Real and Barca, who's going to get Neymar, and it seemed like Barca was leading that, and then all of a sudden it just didn't happen. I don't know. That just. Uh, They've got a really interesting and probably good problem in uh, their front line with still Edinson Cavani available. Uh, Mbappe's out with an injury for a month, but he's obviously still on the team. Neymar, you have to uh, assume, is going to be brought back into the fold. Uh, he's too good not to, you know, despite his falling out with uh, certain teammates and his overall bad attitude. Uh, where does Icardi fit into that? Is Icardi played more than Cavani as the central striker? Is uh, Mbappe given a chance to play that central role? There's plenty of I other could see them moving plenty of things to talk Cavani, about outside of that um, too. Or, I mean, in Champions League, you need all those attacking players to, to rotate in your games and to have options on the bench. I think I think it just improves their depth and it, and it adds another level to them where, I mean, they're going to run away with the league again. I don't, we were trying to take a look at who could be the number two contender if there was ever going to be one and Maybe Leon, maybe like this Leon team is very yeah, young. They have an excellent midfield. It's the only one you could even suggest. Really nice right back now. line. Their front line. Everything. Everyone's really young, and and you know they've got a lot of really good players. But 
PSG just have so much depth and experience and it looks really hard to be able to overcome them or do anything like what that Monaco team did uh, a couple of years ago. So it does have to be mentioned. Not only did PSG uh, strengthen their forward line that was already pretty damn strong uh, with that Icardi signing, but they managed to basically uh, switch Kaylor Navas from Real Madrid for their young French goalkeeper, Alphonse Areola. I think there were two independent transfers that they each paid separately, but, you know, Essentially, it's the handshake deal of we'll sell you ours if you sell us yours. Um, and I, I think Keller Navas is undoubtedly a better, from experience alone, option than Ariola. And uh, Buffon had just left to go back to Juventus. So they get an experienced keeper. They already brought in uh, a Diallo from uh, Dortmund, the French center back, who I think is 21 or 22. And uh, notably from the Premier League, they brought in Idrissa Gay from Everton and uh, Ander Herrera on a free from Manchester United. It's a United. lot of pretty so good players that they've added there. It's it's a lot of very sensible moves for players that aren't going to put up a lot of fuss. You know, you're not signing more Hollywood players like Icardi, even though they did do that eventually. But they've been talking a lot at PSG about how they want to get away from like the diva superstar superstar signings like the... Neymar is essentially and what they've been doing for the past uh, 10 years almost uh, and, and get more towards focused, dedicated professionals who are more uh, James Milner than they are Neymar. You know, you, you know, I, I forget which player it was at this point that the someone said about, but a team of 11 James Milners would win me the Champions League. Like it gets Probably used for fun. every hardworking player. No, I mean it wasn't. It was some other manager long before uh, the coach James Milner. But Mancini. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't remember, and I'll, I'll I'll figure it out and bring it back one day to the pod. But yeah, PSG they've got uh, r- really interesting uh, holes that they filled this uh, summer, like glaring holes. So, uh, or at least theoretically, they feel you feel like they they filled those gaps in their in their team and the breakdown of it. Uh, but they still got to go out and do the business, and they got to hope that Neymar doesn't get injured at the critical point of the season again this year because he's coming off an injury. They've kept him out for a while now, and uh, I'm sure at this point of his career, he just wants to stay healthy, try and go as far in the Champions League as possible, and try and get his dream move next summer, I guess, to Real or Barca. I think it's interesting. It um, what's more interesting than the title race in France is who's going to get that you know, second and third Champions League spots. Yeah, I know you. I know you mentioned Leon, and I was going to bring it back to uh, to that. I just wanted to finish up on PSG because it felt a little short just to talk about Icardi as like the only like major thing that well, happened. This I'm summer. thinking he we're going to talk about them a lot on our Champions League preview. Um, For sure, because that's yeah, probably that's where their question, focus is going to be this that. year. You know, we're just kind of thinking they're going to run the league. So, so as you mentioned, the only team in France that we could even remotely see going on a run, kind of figuring it out and clicking and uh, and uh, becoming a complete team top to bottom, it, it has to be Leon. They obviously went through uh, huge changes in the summer when they hired Silvino uh, to be their, their their head coach. Isn't he the head coach? And then Juninho Pernambucano, the great Brazilian midfielder from uh, the, the later part of the last decade. Uh, he was brought in as the director of football. So those two Brazilians who played for the club are legends at the club, have kind of been brought back in, kind of in a Frank Lampard, Peter Cech style way at uh, Chelsea this summer. And they've been brought in to spearhead, getting Leon back to the level that they were at when they, they were players there. And they, they had the same kind of dominance the later part of last decade that PSG have been having for most of this decade. So 
they seem like the logical ones. They've got the talent. They've got maybe even the, they're probably the closest in terms of uh, in uh, strength and depth to PSG. Obviously, it's not Icardi or unhealthy Maria level depth, but they've got young, promising players like Maxwell Cornet and uh, uh, Martin Terrier uh, on the wings who. Yeah, I, I, def, I think they have to be considered as at, like, if they're not second at least, it's a bad season for them. So uh, they might be focusing on the Champions League too, getting a pretty favorable group. They're in that wide open group with, uh, I think, who is it? Uh, Benfica and someone else I can't remember. But how close do you think Leon can get to PSG in the league at least? I don't, uh, yeah, I, I can't see it. Um, like I said, this is a young team and. I mean, I could see them grow as the season goes on and get to the point where, you know, they're probably beating everyone else in Liga and they're probably consistently, you know, putting three or four goals past these teams. But I think when it comes to the big games, PSG versus Lyon, PSG is always going to be getting the result on them. So, um, and there's occasionally... It's, it's weird you say that. It, it's weird you say that because then you get a team like Ren, who, I, I mean, I don't want to launch into a whole discussion on Ren and how good they are, but they seem to like have PSG's number a little bit, like beat them in the French cup last year, just beat them in the second game of this season. Uh, impressively, but it was at home. Like there has to be some kind of like chink in the, the PSG armor that a team as good as Leon can. Yeah. Take I mean, of my, too. my dark, dark horse for, and my like team to watch in Liga is definitely Lille who um, haven't had the most amazing start to the season. Um, but they have a, relatively new manager in the sense that, I mean, he's been around for a little while since, uh, you know, the 2000s, uh, but he's only managed two teams. He's been on, on St. Etienne and Lille is uh, Christ, Christopher Gatlier, and he's won uh, yeah. Liga Manager of the Year twice. He won it in 2012, 2013 when he won the Coupe de la Ligue and finished in the top four with St. Etienne. And then he finished second last year with Lille and developed a lot of players who... He held on to a lot of them. They lost Nicola Pepe, but um, it's still a very strong young team. Um, they've got some veterans in there like Jose Font, and they've got young players like uh, Ikone Gremi, and Javier. Jonathan Bamba. Yeah, Laurie Gremi is another veteran. Veterans like Jose Font and Loic Remy. Sure, yeah, but nobody cares <laughs> about Premier him, League you know. winner Loic Remy. But they've also signed this Nigerian for Victor Osimen who already has four goals in Liga this season and seems to be the, the Nicolo Pepe replacement. Jesus. And the goals have been really, really impressive. And just having Ikone and Jonathan Bamba, who both looked really good next to Pepe last year, now have similar – looks like a player who's just slotting in and being, you know, just, might, might be able to be just as good, might be able to bang in 20 goals this year. And, and you know, he's 20 years old, uh, looks super fast and skilled and – yeah, right. He this, fits this the mold of considering how the, good the coach line. is. I don't know. I think they could they could they could maybe push PSG and and be up there with Lyon, trying to you know be in there with the Champions League spots. I think you you could you could see Ren and Marseille being outside shots for those for those last two Champions League spots as well. So I don't think anyone's actually going to finish within you know six or seven points of PSG, but I think they'll they'll be in and around the mix till until uh, like March or April probably. I mean, if anyone finishes within like 10 points of PSG, that's an improvement at this point. Uh, but uh, the interesting thing with Lille, the reason I won't take them seriously in uh, the league, at least this season, is because it seems like they're like the next uh, Monaco. 
let's just say it's not a perfect metaphor, but it seems to be like a general cycle in uh, in France and probably in plenty of other leagues where you get a good young generation at a team like Lille. Uh, who play well and get themselves European football one season and get second in the league. And then they lose two of their major assets, uh, Nicolas Pepe, obviously, that you mentioned, going to Arsenal, and then uh, uh, Thiago Mendes, the Brazilian the center midfielder, who was uh, doing his best in Golo Kante impersonation in their midfield last season. He was absolutely just everywhere. And he's gone to the club that we mentioned earlier, uh, Leon and uh, basically replaced in Dombele doing m- much of the same things in, in in midfield. So it's it's hard for me to see Lille replicating that because they do have Champions League and they are in a, a, a group that they might even uh, try to go for and get out of uh, with Chelsea and Ajax and uh, and Valencia. So we'll see how that affects their they season. They definitely could uh, beat your the, ass, the man. Americans. They might, yeah. We might lose there. That's perfectly possible because, uh, I mean, the Americans' heads will explode uh, if we don't mention Tim Weah, who was recently signed from uh, PSG by Lille. So uh, I'm sure he's in contention too, but uh, Javier just went through a whole host of players that are very talented and already established in the in the uh, Lille lineup. So he, he might struggle for consistent minutes there, even more so than he did at uh, PSG. So uh, we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, but my team to watch out for uh, this uh, season in, in, in Ligue 1 is uh, Monaco. They've had a interesting first four games to the season where we've seen them get uh, red cards in, I think, two of the four games. One to Cesc Fabregas early in the opener against Lyon that eventually saw them blown out in. And they're right back where they were flirting with last season in the relegation zone. Obviously, it's only four games in, so it's not, you know, it's not crisis time yet. But uh, they haven't done too much to really, really strengthen the squad, I don't think. Uh, I don't know if you've been paying attention to uh, Monaco post uh, uh, last season because it seems like everyone's kind of out on them ever since they had that drop off to the to almost getting relegated. Uh, but it, it seems like more players are jumping ship than are coming in and really contributing. Like they have Ben Yedder and Islam Slimani with their two big signings this summer. I don't know. It doesn't seem like enough to get them back into Champions League, but I think it's a really interesting situation to keep tabs on. I mean, Jardim Jard- really is still that, considered a pretty highly regarded coach, so... I don't know if he is anymore. I mean, they, they, they were pretty stagnant even when he came back at the later in last season after I mean, he Henry. saved them from they relegation. Managed to they, save. They, they, they'd been having an absolute... Yeah, but for a team season. like Monaco, I, I feel like... This is a huge, huge, like latent hangover from that uh, that great season a couple of years ago, where they won the league and got to the Champions League semifinals. Where obviously we've mentioned it plenty of times on this pod. That team got demolished. It just got picked apart, and no one was really left uh, there that even like that wanted to be there. So they've had to try and uh, reform that team, and they've attempted to do it with basically bargain players and going to the bargain bin. And they didn't get as lucky this time as they did with some of those other players. So uh, it's uh, reflected in their team, and uh, they're, they're they're struggling. So I I want to keep an eye on them because they are a huge club, and I feel like they are very uh, very realistically uh, in contention for relegation again. Uh, like something major, some sort of epiphany has to happen there, or maybe even firing Jardim and getting in 
someone better than Thierry Henry, something has to happen there for them to uh, even hope to get back to the same level they were at, uh, not even th- three years ago, two and a half years ago. So let's finish up with uh, Ligue 1 there. It's a good 15 minutes on Ligue 1. Let's jump to uh, La Liga, which has gone through very much of a uh, <laughs> transfer window this summer. All three of the top title contending teams saw pretty significant uh, transfer windows, bringing in big players, selling other big players. Uh, but who do you want to start with? How about let's just answer the question right now. Who's winning the league? Barca. And why is it Barcelona? <laughs> okay, so we're, we're agreeing that Barcelona are favorites to retain the league. Yeah, so. but I think Athletic uh, Unreal are going to be much closer this year. than I think it could be something where like the last couple of fixtures are, are going to be what decides it, you know? Because I can see everybody dropping points this year. Um, you know, Barca haven't had the greatest start to the season. Atletico have won every game so far. Real have looked pretty good, but there has been some chinks in the armor. So, and you know that those are going to be you know holes that open up further this year. Um, Real have had a lot of players coming in. They're going to take some time to gel. And same thing with Atletico. Even though you know they've gotten off to a good start, um, they haven't really had the hardest schedule either. And well, do we want to focus in on one team first and talk about like, yeah, I mean, I guess let's start with like Barcelona. I was was going to, I was getting up to there, but I was going to say, yeah, I think Barcelona are going to win the league. Um, I mean, obviously not only because of Messi, but because they were able to keep a lot of the depth that I I, I was surprised that they were willing to let like three players go or something to get Neymar. Because I think having someone like Usman Dembele, Rakitic, Umtiti, players that they were willing to just, you know, trade in a swap deal plus money. I think those players are all going to contribute a lot this year and throughout the course of a season, um, especially Usman, you know, if he gets his attitude down, if he gets, you know, stops these nimbling injuries that seem to keep interrupting his progress, then this guy's going to become a monster. Like we all, we've all seen it. And um, he stops playing video games. Yeah, stop playing Fortnite. Get you know, get your butt on track, man, because you're you're playing with with some of the best players. You know, they picked up Antoine Griezmann. I mean, he was definitely, you know, uh, uh, I think the best player outside of Barcelona, and you know, probably the second or third best player in the league. Um, you know, after Ronaldo left, so they went and pretty much probably bought the the next best player in the league and brought him on the team. Kept Suarez. Um, got rid of the one player who I thought was a cancer all of last year, which was Coutinho. Um, you know, moved him on to to Bayern Munich, and and yeah, it just seems like they made a lot of really good moves. They picked up Junior Firpo, uh, Alex's uh, you know loved left back from Real Betis, and that's another. He's already just immediately started slotting in and started playing for them, and he's going to be good cover for for Jordi Alba and. Something something that they needed last year because when Jordi Alba went down, they, you know, suffered a lot as a team. But it seems like having him, um, you know, keeping Semedo as well because it was talk of Semedo being bought. You know, PSG wanted him as part of the of the of the deal for Neymar. So again, I think all of these things are 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 very positive for Barcelona that they kept the players they needed to keep, brought in more talent, and Messi's been injured. Yeah, so Messi's far. been That's injured. Why they're, they... they're, they're, that's why they lost their first game at uh, Bilbao and uh, drew with Osasuna this weekend. Yeah, Messi will come back. They will be fine. I'm pretty confident of it. Uh, the rest of the Barcelona conversation, I honestly think we can save for the uh, the Champions League because I think that's obviously where, like like with PSG and Juventus and teams of that ilk, 
that's obviously where their main intentions lie. So, um, but that does leave the door somewhat slightly open to one of the two Madrid teams. Say, you know, say Barcelona are still in the Champions League, but they're maybe five points behind in the league going into the later part of the season. I can definitely see them resting Messi in certain league games. I mean, they've done it even when they've been winning both. They rest Messi all the time, and we'll see them, uh, the rest of the team, not quite show up in those games. So I feel like there is a scenario where the door is left slightly ajar for one of the Madrid teams to take advantage and uh, and do something like what Atletico did a couple of years ago, or in two thousand, I think two thousand fourteen, two thousand thirteen, fourteen. I think it was. Yeah. So I personally think that that team is more likely to be Atletico Madrid than it is Real Madrid. We obviously haven't seen Eden Hazard yet at Real Madrid. Well, well, I I guess let's focus on Atletico. Yeah, and it it seems to me like that defensive stability is still there. They start the season off with two 1-0 results, two 1-0 wins, and then have a bit of a a nightmare against, uh, who was it this weekend? Ibar. The uh, the club with uh, a wage structure of uh, 1.5 million. Right. They went down 2-0. And came roaring back in one three two. There's still a lot of development to be done with Athletic. Their highest played players are still... like one point five million, not their whole budget, but it's yeah. I was about to say the whole budget can't be one. No, but they're million. like their their team is like absolutely tiny, and they, their stadium I think is yeah, twelve thousand. And they gave uh, they gave yeah. Athletic this, a this run game for was their money in Madrid. It, it was at the Wanda Metropolitano. They were up two nil and. Uh, I mean, the the main players I want to talk about the significant players coming in. Have to be uh, obviously Jao Felix. He's had a pretty brilliant start to his career. I mean, of course, dude, I've hit the ground running. Absolutely, just been on fire. This kid is amazing. I can't wait to see that Atletico team go up against Juventus in the Champions League and Jao Felix going up against his idol Ronaldo and the Juventus team. Like, it just feels like uh, this is like what Atletico do, though. You know, they always just like they'll develop the next generation of talent and then sell them for you know hundred hundred fifty million and. You know, they did it yes. with Aguero, they did it with Torres, they did it with, you know, Diego Costa. Yes, but at the same time, they've never done it in such a high-profile way before, where they go out and they spend, like, their club record fee on that player. They've always, like, gotten in on the ground floor with players like Aguero. Obviously, Torres came up through their academy. Uh, Falcao they bought from Porto when he was doing well at Porto, but wasn't, you know, winning Europa League with them, or I think he might have won it actually. <laughs> he might have won it with VS Boas. But he, he wasn't like getting to Champions League finals or anything like that or, or winning the or winning La Liga. So uh Diego Godin, obviously also, uh who they brought in later in his career and David Villa. They've always had like that talismanic player up top for them that not only scores all the important goals but uh, has a really big hand in dropping in and creating Four them. One. Yeah, I mean it the, yeah. the list in the last so, 10 years is pretty crazy who's played up top for them. So they're pretty good judges of those kinds of players. And then the the most recent of all, Antoine Graceman, who was doing well at Sociedad, but I don't think anyone saw him rising to the level that uh, he, he eventually did at Atletico and, w- and with France, obviously. So uh, Jean Felix is going to be an absolute superstar. I'm just interested in where he goes next in two years or a year. I don't even know. <laughs> it might be next year, depending on how good he is this season. Uh, so uh, he, that's a huge X factor that if he, as a 19-year-old, is able to maintain and, or sustain an entire season of it a world-class It looks like he's being level, protected. Like, you know, Simeone is subbing him off. 
you know, keeping him, trying to keep him fresh and not overuse him. So it seems right. like for, for the type of manager that Simeone is, um, you know, he might be able to get the best out of him. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this Atletico side. It looks like they have more goals than them this year. They're going to be fun to watch. And, and I think they're going to win. They're going to be focusing on the league. I think they're going to think to, they're probably going to fancy themselves and think, you know, Barca really want the Champions League this year. They're probably going to be slipping up. They already slipped up, you know, a little bit already in the league. And, you know, as good as these teams have been in the past, Real Madrid and Atletico, there's been times where these teams have had, you know, 85, 90 points and pushed Barca and, you know, maybe not won the league. But if they have another one of those seasons where they have 85 or 90 points, that may be enough to win it this year. So I think Real did win the league three years ago. It's Barcelona have two in a row right now, but but three years ago it was Real when uh, yeah, but Barcelona have won eight won. out of the last twelve. So yeah, I'm sure, sorry, eight I'm out of the last saying, ten. Like the current, the, the the current Barcelona run isn't. Also, no one cares about some of those titles because Real won the Champions League those years. So you know they kind of like topped Barca all those years. <laughs> I mean, that's just like but personal let's talk opinion, about Real. You know, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely. Pu- it's purely because because one competition is like a knockout competition, and people think of it as like the end all be all. When when you really when world, you really make you know, more all the money, best teams competing in the same off winning the domestic league, you don't make as much money winning the Champions I, League. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect you to respect the Champions League, Javier. You guys haven't been there for three years. I, I wouldn't expect you to you know to put that much importance in it. But uh, yeah, it's not that important. Not a big deal. It's an overrated competition. <laughs> you want a real trophy? Alex, Europa's the where it's league. at. I, I know that too, Javier, of course. <laughs> but uh, we have to talk about Real. They, we, I think we talked a lot about their transfers uh, individually on our uh, our transfer wrap-up pods. You know, they've obviously, everyone knows they brought in Eden Hazard from Chelsea. They brought in Ferland Mendy from Lyon. Uh, name, throw out some other names, Javier. Who else they bought? Jo- Luka Jovic from Eintracht Frankfurt, the very promising center forward. Uh, who else? Uh, that center back. Uh, didn't they bring in uh, Idair Militao? Yeah. That's it. Idair Militao from Porto, the Brazilian center back. Names all over the park. But Zidane is kind of settled, at least to start the season. He kept Gareth Bale. He's 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 been relying on Gareth Bale, and I don't blame him. I feel like he should have handled that a little bit better, and shouldn't have just shunned Gareth Bale to the sidelines. Because when Bale's like healthy and you know feels like he like people care about him in a squad and are invested in he's his success. He's still an unreal player. He'll produce. He'll produce for you. He's he scored a, du- a double for them in the weekend. They only managed to draw with Villarreal though. Uh, away from home, and they had another disappointing result before that. Uh, drawing a very good Villarreal side, to be fair. Lead. I mean, they almost got relegated last year. Yeah, man. but they also made it to the Europa League semifinal, and and they had a big resurgence in the second True. half of the season where they yeah, were they, they were the terrible the first half of the year and were like deep in the relegation zone. And then uh, Cazorla, you know, came onto the team, and and they've made a couple signings this summer. So I don't think it's the worst result for Real. I think. They they won their first couple of games before that, and they've looked. They won their first game, and then they've drawn two. Since. Ah, they've drawn two. Okay. So they're on five points. Well, not a great. They're start, on five points after three games. Y- you got to think the that they're going to get better when all their no players Eden. come in, and, and they get. There, there's, you know. there hasn't been any Eden Hazard. There, honestly, there's a whole uh, uproar. I mean, there always is. It's Real Madrid. Their media are going to cause some kind of shit. There's a whole uproar about Eden Hazard. Coming into preseason overweight, which he has done pretty much every year of his career, and it hasn't mattered, and he's still been an amazing player. 
but for some reason, the Real Madrid newspapers and uh, and uh, bloggers just think it's a complete like affront to the glory that is Real Madrid. And they blame they're blaming his injury that he picked up, like a calf strain that kept him out for the first like two or three games. He'll be back after the the international break. I'm sure he will be, and he'll be fine. Once he gets introduced to this team, I, I think there's a lot to be improved in terms of their control on games. They have a lot of like similar uh, problems right now to uh, I'll just say it because the layup to Chelsea, where but where they obviously have way better players and they should be controlling these games a lot better. But Eden Hazard is going to help fix that because whenever there was a period for Chelsea where it felt like we, we couldn't get the ball past midfield, our midfielders and, and wingers weren't dropping into the right areas to progress the ball properly, Eden Hazard would just come to midfield and just like just say, give me the ball, put it, put it at my feet, I will go around two people at least and play someone in. He's going to fix a lot of problems for them that... Yeah, they've had, they've had a couple of unlucky they're gonna, injuries. They're going to go on a run. They're going to go on a run once he's back and he's like fully up in his rhythm. I'm really confident of that. They may keep conceding goals like they have done because Thibaut Courtois. Uh, I was going to say also their left snake. and right backs. They've been like Marcelo and um, Mendy. Mendy's been playing. Yeah, I think Mendy didn't Mendy get hurt. I think he's he out for a month. Oh no, that's ah, uh, it's terrible. Yeah, so I think I think just like his brother Benjamin. Yeah, so I think. Uh, Marcelo's been playing these last couple of games, and I think that's why they've been like offensively. He's been good, and uh, the same with Carvajal, who a lot of Real Mendy played against Villarreal. A lot of Real fans no. say that he's uh, he's like fall, fallen off a lot defensively. Like he's still good offensively, but it seems like this Real team has lost a lot of that defensive structure that led them to a lot of these Champions League wins, and. Um, you know, just still the ramifications of Ronaldo leaving, you know, those goals not being replaced. It's, it's still a question mark. Obviously, Eden coming back into this team, like you said, you know, Vinicius looks amazing still, um, you know, looks like he's going to be a prodig- prodigious talent and, you know, will light the, the league on fire this year. And yeah, it's, it's exciting times for Real. It's, I think it's just going to take them a little while to settle down. And there's going to have to be some patience, but I think that they'll they'll definitely go on a run this year where you know suddenly they're going to start banging in four or five goals every game, and you know their wingers are going to be scoring goals, and 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 we're going to they're, they're going to have their full bench back, and you're, they're going to look scary, you know, because they kept they kept Modric, they kept you know a player who they we thought was going to leave this summer for sure. Um, Tony Cruz. Tony Cruz. Yeah, I mean they they, they, they kept a lot of their veterans. They kept Gareth Bale, who I thought they had to keep if they wanted to if we're going to keep them, you know, take them seriously as for a title contenders this year. So I don't think they're in the discussion for Champions League. I think it's possible they, you know, su- make a run, make a run in, in in the league, and 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 that's what they focus on, and maybe maybe the cup. Um, but I think domestically is we're going they're going to look for success this year. Um, and yeah, I think that they might surprise people. It's a huge season for uh, Zinedine Zidane. Uh, he's yeah, for for once for once. Th- there's a scenario where he's not the Real Madrid manager this time next year, where this season just goes completely wrong and he's fired mid-season. Yeah, I can honestly see that. They, they they've brought him back and gone groveling back to him. And I, I think we've covered that plenty of times before uh, about how he left and then returned to the club mid that, near the end of last season. And they've basically given him most of the funds. We don't know how close they were to getting that Neymar transfer done, but they gave him a good amount of funds to go out and uh, build the team in his own image. He's done that uh, to a degree, yet he's still 
playing the same players from when he was at Madrid the first time and winning Champions Leagues. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he sort of phases those new signings into the team, which uh, which of the old guard gets uh, phased out uh, and, and for whom. So which team in La Liga are you going to keep an eye on? You know, Friday nights, there's a La Liga game. Saturday, 245 or something, where you got a mid-table game between, I don't know, Betis. And uh, Betis were my team to watch out for last season. That's who I was thinking in my head every Sunday or Saturday when La Liga was on. Yeah, there's a couple teams. If there's teams, no Real or Barca um, game, I want to I watch Betis. Who is it for you this season? I got a couple teams uh, that just both have some exciting young talent. Uh, Atletico Bilbao and Real Sociedad, who um, are you know rivals in the same region. Uh, but Atletico Bilbao is some you know fun young wingers in a very young backline, um, which has always kind of been their strength. Uh, it's been their backline and their def- the defense, and um, they have a very young goalkeeper, a 19-year-old keeper to, that replaced Kepa, um, some young 20-year-old center backs, and uh, you know, relatively young fullbacks, and uh, Iker Munian, as well as. Um, Inaki Williams and uh, Inigo Cordoba are just a very young front three with a lot of pace and goals, and I think they're going to be fun to watch. And Real Sociedad, also a lot of really young, fun players. Um, Adam Zanazai is on that team now. Um, Oizarbal, the FIFA, you know, if you saw him on FIFA, he always stood out. Come on, come on, man, you speak the language. Ah, oh yeah, he was Spanish. I thought he was Turkish for some reason. Oh yeah, 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 Take a look at them there, and then Sociedad attacking wise, you know they've got a lot of players who uh, up and coming and and have already you know set alarm bells off in Europe for uh, p- people taking a look at them. So what about you, Alex? What's your uh, what's your team to uh, to watch in in La Liga? Just in terms of uh, squad turnover and uh, just straight up turnover overall, I think I have to go with Sevilla. Their longtime director of football, uh, Monchi left them two or three years ago to go to AS Roma. People thought he was doing a great job there when he his Roma uh, team got to a Champions League semifinal and lost barely lost to Liverpool. But last year, that team was kind of found out. A lot of his signings were criticized, and Roma uh, really floundered in the league. And he just kind of left Italy with his head hanging in shame. So he's come back to Sevilla, where he was director of football and uh, having great success for something like 10 years, I think he was there, from 2006 to 2015 or 2016. And he, he's back now, and his first uh, transfer window, he's gone crazy. They, uh, I think they fired Vicenzo Montella as their, their coach in the middle of last season, and as their, their head coach now, they've hired another somewhat disgraced uh, manager in Julian Lopetegui, the uh, former Real Madrid and uh, and Spain head coach. And we all saw how that went, where (laughs) he was doing well for Spain, and then a day before the World Cup started, he got fired because he tried to take the Real Madrid job, and the Spanish FA didn't like that. Uh, And then he promptly flopped at Real Madrid, and he's trying to salvage something in his career uh, just like Monchi is. 
but here at Sevilla, and they've brought in a ton the of players. They let arc. some other big name players. Yeah, tons of redemption arts going on in this team right now. And we we all know Sevilla from uh, going to Champions League group stages. It seems like every year winning Europa Leagues when they eventually get third in that Champions League uh, group stage. We, we we know them from the Unai Emery years. Mangshi helped build those Unai Emery teams. I'm not quite as confident in Julian Lopetegui as a manager overall uh, to have the same kind of success that Unai Emery had at Sevilla. Uh, but I think with a lot of the turnover, the Mangshi's kind of forced as he's come back to the team. There's at least potential there for something special to happen. And I'm really excited to see how it pans out. Uh, I mean, a couple of the notable signings they have were uh, Luke de Jong from uh, PSV, their, their best uh, center forward. He's slotted right in to replace uh, Ben Yedder, who I mentioned before, who went to Monaco. Uh, Sergi Regulon from uh, Real Madrid, who was playing left back for them when Marcelo got injured last season and didn't didn't disgrace himself in any way. He looks like a good young uh, Spanish player. Uh, they signed Ronnie Lopez from uh, Monaco, nice little winger. Oliver Torres uh, from Porto. They've they've got too many transfers to list here and really make a case. But if, so, if there's something that that team needed to sort of freshen up uh, from top to bottom, it was a replacement at the the, the top executive level in Manchi. Replacement in, in the coach is Julian Lopetegui, who's known for developing young Spanish type players. And then a complete overhaul in their squad, something like 10 players in and even more players sold. So it, I'm going to be really interested to see how they end up. I think they have to be aiming for the Champions League, though that's going to be the main question. Do they end up in the Champions League sp- uh, places or a little bit disappointed down in the Europa League? So a lot to look forward to in La Liga this year, uh, but we're going to move on to the Bundesliga, where uh, Bayern Munich reigns supreme and have for many a year. Uh, but there looks like there are signs of hope from uh, West Germany and East Germany in uh, Borussia Dortmund and RB Leipzig. Yeah, it looks like this might be you know the, the year that it finally becomes a race again. I guess last year it was kind of a race. Dortmund fell off at the end and just kind of... It was a race. It was definitely it was a, a race. race. But like in, it, came, it came down to the last Sure, day. yeah, it was a race. It was a race. <laughs> I, that's why I think this year, I mean, I, I, I don't even know who to call it for because I think it's like going to be a three-horse race the whole year and I think it's going to like come down to the wire because uh, it's a young Bayern team who they've made some good, good acquisitions this summer in Coutinho who I'm sure in the German league will look – like the player um, that everyone expected him to to maybe look at Barcelona. I didn't expect him to look like that, but other pundits and, you know, Alex Mosses and Andrew Pissarro's thought he would be good on Barcelona. But um, Oh, look at me. Look how smart I am. I got one right, finally. <laughs> but uh, I want to talk about – I want to start the discussion with – Arsenal aren't going to drop more than two points the rest of this year. Javier back in March. <laughs> sorry, I have to reference back to that one <laughs> anytime. Um, sorry, go ahead. Are you done, Alex? All right, okay. Uh, I'll go ahead now. Yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, RB Leipzig because I think that they they brought in Julian Nagelsmann this year, who has arguably been the coach of the Bundesliga for the last couple of years on Hoffenheim. Definitely been punching over his weight, you know, bringing Hoffenheim to the Champions League with some good players, but he's developed a lot of excellent players under him and now has developed the reputation for being like the player, young player, manager, developer. And he's just been given the reins of basically like the, the, you know, up and coming Ferrari or 
you know, Porsche or whatever it's going to be, newest model GT coming in, you know, just a, a team full of well, young mainly because he's he's like thirty four years right. old, and when he was first like coming onto the scene as a head coach with Hoffenheim, he was thirty one or thirty two. He was just done with his playing days, was already being already on a very high level as as a head coach, and that's something we've seen uh, up and down the Bundesliga in the last couple of years. Uh, managers in their thirties. Super young for a manager. I don't know how to put that into context, but uh, Julian Nagelsmann would constantly make jokes about how it was really hard initially to uh, get some of the players to uh, basically buy into what he was saying because they were older than him <laughs> and he wasn't a player anymore and he'd retired and gone into management and these guys were still playing and thought they were better than him. That's been just completely dispelled now. He's very much one of uh, German football's like hottest commodities. I, I just don't know uh, like how good that makes them in the first season. Nagelsmann seems like like a long term hire for RB Leipzig. Like we want to be at that level, competing for the league title a few seasons from now. And then to Nagelsmann, it feels to me like he sees RB Leipzig with the same belief in youth players that he has, and uh, the financial. Uh, wherewithal and willingness to go out and in select positions and areas spend more money than he could at Hoffenheim and actually try to compete on multiple fronts in the league and in the in the Champions League and get out of groups there and, and really in a Wolves-like way in the Premier League they're trying to sort of put themselves in a position through young players and, and young coaching minds trying to prove themselves where they can basically create a dynasty is what they're trying to do yeah and i, I, I mean, don't know this team this team reminds me a lot long, of the of, of the monaco side from two years ago where they have an absolutely unreal striker in in timo Werner. who but has, they're known about that they're a known commodity they are but monaco. i just think that they have ago. now a young you know a young god coach they've brought a bunch of players <laughs> on who what was that a young god coach? yeah a young god coach you know uh, they, they've they've brought a lot of players along who have maybe have been on loan or have been you know young prodigious talent like you said that we've known for a while but they're starting to mature and players like Yusuf Polson like Emil Forsberg who've been around for a while but are now you know in their mid twenties are now the experienced players in the squad and it looks like they're ready to go on right. a run this year so um, I think they're they're my like my dark horse pick and and I think that they have a, a good chance of winning the league this year. Um, I think they're going to be up there the whole time, and and I think they're going to get results. They they play Bayern Munich at home coming back from the international break. So, right now they've won every game so far this year. They've they've they they've crushed Union Berlin four nil, a team that was uh, a, a team that just came up recently promoted. Uh, recently yeah. promoted, but then uh, in their last fixture they beat Borussia Dortmund. Um, you know, a team who I'm sure we're going to talk about right now as being the other team that we think could challenge Bayern. Um, but yeah, so real quick for Leipzig, real quick for Leipzig. There's a real wealth of young talent there. I want you to pick one and pick one of those young players that maybe people don't know that much about. So they don't like, not like Timo Werner. Like he's a young player. Sure. But he's uh, I mean, they're two center point. backs. Who's a player that you're really interested in? Uh, well, Konate. They're, they're center back. They're 20 year old center back. I think he's going to be a world class talent. Everyone's going to find out about him this year, just like people did about Delict last year. Yeah, he's just an absolutely unreal center back. And Upamecano, another one who Arsenal both were looking French. to sign. And both young French talent who have been – who were on that U21 squad who – I think they got to the final this year, didn't they? Um, and were looked excellent in that in that uh, U21 World Cup. So 
and then they also signed Christopher Nkunku from PSG, who was a player that Arsenal were also looking at. And I, I said one, dude. Come on. Yeah. I, well, I you got me into it. You got me hyped pick. for them. This is what you did, yeah. Alex. You know, uh, get, get us into Dortmund so, now. You know what? So I what? no no. I have to. I have to. I have to. Uh, I have to satisfy the Americans' hunger because I too have. I too have this hunger. Tyler Adams was very good in the half season that he played last year. Like I was shocked that coming straight from MLS, he could walk into a Bundesliga side competing at the very, very top of the table in third and really far ahead of any of the other competitors trying to get those Champions League places. Obviously, Dortmund and Bayern were at the top themselves. But yeah, he really impressed me. And if he can stay healthy, uh, he's someone that I'm keeping an eye on because obviously Chelsea have loaned uh, Ethan Ampadu, one of our center back slash center midfield prospects to RB Leipzig. And he's pretty much direct competition uh, to Ampadu in defensive midfield. And I don't think Ampadu is getting past those two center backs that you mentioned uh, earlier either. So it's uh, th- there's a lot of really young, talented, hungry players that you could see uh, either back at big clubs or being sold on to really, really big clubs uh, coming up from that RB Leipzig team. But uh, the real title contenders last year, uh, two Bayern Munich's thrown, were uh, Borussia Dortmund. And they went out and made a splash early on in the window and kind of settled down, kind of got their team in place. Got them back into training camp with uh, Lucien Favre, who's in his second season there. Obviously, has uh, done very well with them last season to be a day or and a couple of results away from winning the league last year. Uh, they sold Christian Pulisic, obviously, for sixty million or something. Used a large chunk of that money to go get uh, Thorgan Hazard from Mönchengladbach, Julian Brandt from uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Nico Schultz from Hoffenheim, the left back. They're the new Bayern. They're just raiding everybody else. They're, yeah, they're really, (laughs) I mean, that's pretty much the list. Pretty much the only other player they could have gotten that would have directly hurt their rivals was Timo Werner. And they obviously weren't going to do that. So they did a good job at hurting their rivals while also strengthening themselves. Yeah, when I was looking at their bench, I was like, they are really deep now. They've got like if they yeah. get a couple injuries, they still got a lot of talent on there. And it looks like they they got a team that can you know challenge on multiple fronts this year. And you know the they're not going to miss Christian Pulisic. It, it looks like they have an abundance no, of attacking talent. And well, because not only are those players talented, they're Bundesliga proven. Morgan Hazard's been the almost the Wilfred Zaha slash Riyad Mahrez of the Bundesliga. For the past three years at, at Borussia Mönchengladbach, ever since he was sold by Chelsea, uh, there he's been one of the best players outside of the the perennial like contenders for the league, uh, and they've gotten him at something like twenty five million, nothing that impressive. And then uh, the the next generation of uh, German wingers, Julian Brandt, is would you say he's on the same level or potential wise as like Leroy Sané? I feel like he's like right around there where him and Sané are going to be owning those wide positions for Germany for the next like 10 years, it seems like. So they've really, really strengthened in terms of like Bundesliga quality players who are, who are used to playing there. So would you go as far as to predict them for the league title? I guess we can segue into Bayern Munich this way. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I think they have about as good of a chance as Leipzig. Um, I think that if everything why not, clicks, why not better? Why not? Why do they not have a better chance than Leipzig? Because I like Nagelsmann a lot more than I like Lucien Favre, so I just think that he can take them domestically farther. I think Dortmund maybe they could make a cup run in one year. 
Yeah, I just I just think, think very, very, very highly to... of Nagelsmann. That's just like why I have them being where that where I think they're gonna be. And I just think that like what Nagelsmann has as like under him and the tools that he has and like what he was able to do with like a player like Reese Nelson in a year or you know, just what I've seen him do now with so many other young players in a short amount of time, it seems like he has a large effect on them and players take a lot from just being with him for a short amount of time that I think that um you know they'll be just as good title contenders as Leipzig as uh, Dortmund, but I think I think it's going to be like up I, in I think the it's air. just the timing issue for for me. I think I agree with you, just not like year one right from the get go. Like it's going to take maybe a year or two, which is still good. Like that they're not in a rush, I don't think. But yeah, I mean Dortmund to me, I think are the clear contenders. They held the the lead in the league for a very large chunk of last season, beat Bayern Munich at home. Uh, didn't didn't beat them away, and that led to them eventually uh, not winning the title. Uh, it was a very important game at the end of the season, uh, but I, I think they did enough to improve the squad uh, by using that big chunk exchange from Pulisic that they'll 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 be better uh, this season with the three or four players they did bring in. Uh, plus, Pakawa Kasser and Marco Royce are still there. Mario Götze. These are players that are experienced at this point. They're not like a young Dortmund team. They're way more experienced than I think uh, RB Leipzig are at this point. Uh, but do you want to talk about Bayern? Do you want to save the Bayern talk maybe a bit more for the Champions League? Yeah, let's let's save it for maybe. them because you know they're obviously still clear favorites for the league, and they've won the league I think right. about five or six years in a row now. So Germany is a little bit boring, and uh, everyone calls them. I mean, they they, they have a, a bunch of transfer news themselves. You mentioned the Coutinho thing, but there's plenty of other deals they made that looks like are uh, shaping their squad right now. But we'll we'll save the Byron talk for our Champions League preview. If you guys want to keep an eye out for that uh, next week, uh, let's move on to Serie A now in Italy, where man. I could do a whole podcast on the Italian league right now. I could, I could really dive into all these teams. Wait, why do you want to talk I, about this farmer seen, trash league so much, Alex? What do you? What well, do you I mean, want to talk, talk about, about all these we talked about, teams? We talked about France and Germany for a good twenty uh, minutes fair each. Enough. So why but, not? But Syria is now the like Syria? retirement league. I mean, you see like Gervinho go in there and become you know become Neymar. Now they have Mkhitaryan. Yeah, I mean, he's probably makes you think, what's, he's probably going to bang in like twenty Ramsey's goals and twenty assists for Roma like? this year, and, and everyone's going to be ah, Mkhitaryan. We all knew he, knew he was, it was the Premier League holding him back. Well, let's forty-year-old Zlatan can that. go and be a god there. I mean, c- come on, man, uh, Javier. There, there's a very big question at the top of the table. I feel like we haven't really latched on to this news at all. We maybe men- mentioned it in the context of Chelsea, but. Obviously, Maurizio Sarri uh, left Chelsea this summer and uh, went and took over at Juventus. Uh, he <laughs> brought with him uh, Aaron Ramsey on a free, which was decided before he got there. Rabiot. Uh, Adrian Rabiot, Matthias De Ligt, a whole host of other players that are kind of low level and probably not considered for the squad. They had a bunch of transfer rumors uh, surrounding selling a few of their best players. Namely, Sammy Kadira, Paolo Dybala, Mario Mandzukic, Gonzalo Higuain. They, they, they've got a huge logjam in, uh, in terms of certain players that uh, they were trying to get rid of. And I feel like there's an overall kind of uneasy feel about Juventus's chances this season, even though they're undeniably the most talented team in the league. 
how big of a chance do you give these other two teams we've suggested for uh, possible league title? Well, I think uh, I think runs? I think I'm not interested in Napoli. Inter and Napoli. I'm not interested in them. You're not. Um, you're not. Even though I think that so the one, center back one, pairing four, three. of Manolas and Koulibaly is going to be um, you know very very hard to beat this year. I think Napoli are. Napoli and, and Inter are going to be competing for that hardest team to break down. I don't think Juventus are going to be their usual like defensive, um, you know, absolute powerhouse that they've been in the past. I think that these two teams are going to be You're better. You're goddamn right, they're not. Um, I think that Inter and, and Napoli are going to be the the teams to look at there. But I'm 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 never I'm not convinced that Ancelotti um, can can do it in the league anymore. I think he's a little bit of a dinosaur. And um, I know he, he did win the Champions League, what, five years ago? But it's, it's yeah, tw- I guess six years ago. You're all, you're, you're all about jumping to conclusions today, Javier. Come I, on, I man. think Inter can challenge Juventus, though. One, one year at Napoli. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with you, but we'll, we'll get to them in a second. But Napoli have all the experience I just, that Inter have. Yeah, but they're staying maybe shit, even a little bit and if more. Sorry couldn't do it in, like, his best season ever – I don't think Ancelotti is going to like pull off a 90-point season because I think that's what it's going to take to win the league over Inter or Juventus right now. I don't think like – I don't think probably like – I'd probably say mid to high 80s. Right. I, I think they could have 83, 90. 84 points and like – but I think Inter and Juve are probably going to have like 90, 91, 92 points. Like much like what, you know, like City and uh, in Liverpool that have been batting it out, you know, these last couple of years. I think it's going to be a similar thing where – you know, you're going to have to be almost perfect in the league in Serie A because there's such a gulf between Inter and Juve and the rest of the league that they're just going to destroy the rest of the league. You know, I, I don't really see other teams really upsetting them. And Napoli is just going to be thrown in there to be some you know sprinkle on there. But uh, when, the, when these teams come head to head, I'm pretty sure Juve and Inter are going to get the best of Napoli. That's why I have, um, you know, I, I can see Napoli being the definitely the best of the rest, where they're going to easily be in that third spot, and I can't really see like Roma or Fiorentina or, or you know, maybe AC Milan. Like uh, AC Milan is is a team that I could maybe see challenging Napoli for that third spot, but I, I don't see I don't see um, them being up and up there for the title this year. And really, any time. I think you're straight because up because of the state of that club, I, how much money they play, pay their players. They, um, you know, they didn't end up getting Hamas Rodriguez, who I thought. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Hamas Rodriguez, I don't think would have made them that much better. The fact that they just retained that same. I mean, they've got the same front three from when Sari was there. Who, who are now, what, two or three years Ancelotti. older? I mean, come on, man. Like, you think that's still good enough to, like, I mean, they're the playing league? They're playing just as well, and they're taking advantage Mertens of what, VAR 31, all 32, Callejon as well now? Yep. I mean... So, Callejon, Mertens, Insigne, they still have Milik, who obviously is injury-prone. And then the big attacking signing this summer was uh, Herving Lozano, Chucky Lozano. Yeah, that's pretty They've, good. He could uh, he could be pretty they good. They broke their transfer record for after breaking it for Manolas. They, I'm really impressed with them, and they've got they've obviously got plenty of young players that have uh, come on significantly in the left last the club, like though. year or two. It's a little worrying. Diawara did. We'll get we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, uh, Piotr Zielinski, uh, Fabian Ruiz just had an amazing U21 tournament with the or U23 tournament with the Spanish uh, national team, winning that tournament and winning their player of the tournament. They've got a really good mix of experience and like freshness to that squad that isn't just young players but new players. That I, I think you're, you're kind of disrespecting how well they did last year, not only to 
get second in the league by a pretty big margin. It took Inter until the last day of, of the league to, to wrap up top four. But they also managed a really tough Champions League group that they didn't get out of with PSG and Liverpool and uh, and uh, Red Star Belgrade. But they had a sort of mini Europa League run, got to the quarterfinals and lost to you guys. I feel like you kind of think of them in the context of Arsenal beating them in Europa League. And I don't know. I feel like you can't judge them off that. Like, I think Arsenal are a better they, team like, than Napoli. That they have... But in Italy, Napoli ability have great to beat Juventus and Inter, and also their stadium. Their stadium's garbage. They only fill up like a third of the stadium. I mean, I know that they're, they're those that third of the stadium or whatever the fans go to the game are really passionate, but it just feels like Inter and Juventus because they allow their ultras to sell their tickets. A lot of Italian teams do that, and ultras don't sell to anyone that's like not part of the ultra. Group. Yeah, and I'm and I'm saying, but like Inter and Juve fill up the stadiums for the most part, and they have more structure around the club than Napoli does. That's why I think like they when they are they're still on like the fifth highest wage structure. And, maybe Na- and I mean, Napoli historically just have they're not like a historic team in the league. They had their their time with Maradona, but that's it. Bite your tongue, Maradona. That's literally yeah. it. Gianfranco that's Zola. That's the only reason that they have like history really in in Serie A. They they weren't winning titles with anyone else, and Maradona won them a couple of titles. And and uh, I don't know. I I think. Inter and Juve are just way more historic, and, and Inter is a club that has you know structure and history to the point that now that they're back, you know they're going to be one of the favorites. And and I I don't know I don't think that I think they they can compete with Juve. I don't see it with with Napoli. Well, so the main reason I one hundred percent agree with you about Inter is of course the Don Antonio Conte, still wildly revered by many of us Chelsea fans. I'm sure there's a section of the fandom that. Doesn't like him quite so much, but many of us still view him as one of our greatest ever Italian managers and a man that took a 10th place team from 10th to winning the league in the Premier League while recording the most wins in Premier League history. A record that has since been broken, obviously, but still a record at the time. Ingolo Conte, sorry. Uh, He's come to Inter and it's it looks like... Inter have just placed the full trust in him that Chelsea never did. They went out and they got him Romelu Lukaku. They went out and they got him, instead of Alvaro Morata, I'll add. (laughs) They went out and they got him, very late in the window, Alexis Sanchez, who Conte had always voiced his uh, approvement or or approval of. Uh, And I I don't think his his recent run of bad form at United will... Well, hold on. I don't think Alexis's recent uh, year or two of bad form at club level for United, I don't think that has any bearing on how he's going to do with Inter. I'm not saying he's going to be like a roaring success at Inter, but I think at 30 years old, 31, I think he might be now, coming into, as you said, Javier, as you introduced this league, the king of all retirement leagues. We've got Fabio Quagliarella winning the Golden Boot at 40 years old last year. We had Luca Toni winning it at 40 years old a couple of years ago. You're telling me Alexis Sanchez at 31 can't come in and be like some somewhat like like 60% of the player he was at Arsenal? I think he'd be like a really good asset. Like, yeah, to but play, we've been doing uh, this the last couple of years being like, ah, this is Alexis's year, MVP maybe. But no, I mean, yeah. Remember that, Alex? You recall well, for one MVP of us last was. year. One of us. One of us was. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not saying he's back, but I'm saying playing in Italy is the best way to get back. I feel like it, 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 he's obviously familiar with the league when he came up at Udinese. He's the perfect Conte player, as like a wide player, as like a winger, high work rate, 
maybe not as in, so intelligent, but Conte will appreciate just like his his uh, his hard work alone. Uh, him with a front line of Lataro Martinez and uh, and Romelu Lukaku, that could tear that could tear Italy up. Well, we haven't even gotten to the player you just mentioned, Godin coming in and joining Skriniar and De Vrij at uh, in that back three that Conte likes so much. He it, it seems like he's made all the signings the back, best back that he wants world, to have unreal. his perfect back three and his perfect front line that work hard, play physically, and just score bags of goals from uh, from high volume and high work rate. It, it seems like a dream to me, but uh, maybe we can talk about them more in the the, the Champions League podcast. Or, or did you have more thoughts on? Uh, Inter going into this season. Well, no, I don't. But it, it it's a good transition to talk about their sister team, which is the team that I want to watch in the league this year. And I think that they're dark dark horses and like outside shots to uh, maybe jump Napoli this year. Um, and that's AC Milan, a team that spent a good amount of money this summer, um, brought in some young talent. Um, you know, fit, completed the signing of uh, Frank Kessia, who was on loan from Atalanta. Um, they also signed Theo Hernandez, the left back from Real Madrid, who I was kind of surprised that they were able to get him. Then they were able to get uh, Ismael Benacer, who ex-Arsenal player uh, left two years ago, uh, was on Empoli last year, won their player of the season, then uh, was the player of the tournament in the African Cup of Nations this summer, which got him his uh, like big move to AC Milan. And has you know kind of seamlessly slotted in there into their midfield and is now starting for them and you know looks good and yeah they 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 picked up a couple other players uh, Ante Rebic is in uh, on loan from Frankfurt and uh, Halilovic from Standard Liège uh, they brought him back from from loan so. Yeah, they, I think they've got a lot of players who, who, who could be strong this year. They've got a young team. Uh, they also brought in Rafael Leao, the Brazilian striker from Lille. They paid a lot of money for him. And uh, yeah, if, the, if this team clicks, then I think they, they, they got something going for them. And I think they're going to be exciting to watch. And, you know, uh, defensively, they've got a lot of good players. They've also got uh, Paqueta, who you know is a young Brazilian talent who looked really good last year. And then their back line of Calabria, Musacchio, Romanagli, and uh, Ricardo Rodriguez, all just you know pretty experienced at this point, um, but not too old as well. And yeah, it's uh, I think the whole team looks really strong to me, and I think they're going to be a lot better than they were last year and a lot more consistent. There's a huge learning curve for them to overcome from uh, going from a very defensive uh, almost Conte-like manager in uh, Gino Gattuso last season to Marco Giampaolo, who came in from Sampdoria this summer. Uh, he's basically the mastermind behind that whole renaissance that Sampdoria have had the last couple of years where uh, they've been playing some of like the most attractive football in Serie A. He, he was one of the names mentioned just after Maurizio Sarri in terms of like the, the, the managerial black sheep in Italy. The, the Italians who weren't uh, married or beholden to that traditional way of Catanaccio playing defensively and uh, only ever looking to stifle the other team to set up yourself to counterattack. Giampaolo plays with like a very narrow 4-4-2 diamond, plays with no wingers, so it's going to be really interesting to see how the likes of like Suso, Castillejo, and uh, Chalhanoglu, how they sort of uh, adapt their game to fit into this uh, midfield, which, as you mentioned, still has Cassier and Paqueta and some very good players that are probably more suited to play those roles. 
Uh, and then it seems like they've got some sorting out to do at the front where they let Kutrone go, a fan favorite who came up through the academy. I think that's because they have Piatek now, so I don't think they're Well, yeah, because they, they replaced him with And they, and they got Leao. The, uh, uh, Leao and then Benacer. Benacer, I think, is being utilized as a striker. No, 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 no. he's a, a midfielder. Forward. He's a midfielder. Defensive midfielder. Okay. He plays like in... in Benacer? Yeah, he plays at like the bottom of the diamond. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, it's a very big transition to go through for them because it, it's not a defensive four-four-two diamond. It's very high pressing and it demands a lot from those wing backs. And I'm not sure they have quite the quality in those wing back areas and in midfields right now to sort of complement that. Uh, it's really push Napoli definitely. I don't think they get anywhere close to Napoli, um, but I, I think they have a chance to get that fourth Champions League spot. Um, Atalanta will struggle. Uh, it's not they're, they're going to be dealing with their own Champions League uh, stuff this uh, this uh, season, and we'll see how that affects them in the league. But I, I would be very surprised if they manage to hold on to that fourth spot. But I'm going to jump to my uh, team to watch uh, for this season. I'm not even suggesting them necessarily as a contender for that fourth Champions League place. I think it's going to be year one of a couple seasons long project. But AS Roma. Similarly to Sevilla, made a ton of money somewhere. <laughs> Is Roma? Get out of here, man. They just picked up Smalling, Mkhitaryan. Right. Just some so, fucking I mean, garbage. What, what, Why, what? What, what, do you, what do you think I'm suggesting? Uh, Didn't you just hear me say I don't think they're going to get Champions League? No, you said but like in a couple of years they're going to be good. They're loading up with garbage. Why yeah, do you yeah. think they're going to be good? The, they are the Premier League's trash dump right now. Or are <laughs> what's what's the uh, landfill our they're the premier stalled. league's yeah. landfill yeah we just drop our garbage off there and bury it and hope they also send us their best us. players and like right. light up the league so that us. doesn't that doesn't sound like a, a trash dump that that sounds like yeah that, does, that doesn't sound like a trash dump <laughs> but uh yeah they they've had a very eventful summer somebody has a lot of money from those deals the allison and the Salah deals I don't know about how they're spending them. The only signing that I really like is the Diawara signing. Because you don't know any of the other players? Uh, I know Vertut and uh, I've heard of Paolo Lopez, but I'm not like excited. Well, so let, let's, talk about, let's talk about the garbage pails that our, our Premier League teams landed on Roma, <laughs> who, as I mentioned when I was talking about Sevilla, saw a lot of change at the top of their uh, organization this summer. Uh, we... we, we Saw uh, Francesco Totti, most notably, leave his role there. He thought he was going to have more influence on uh, personnel decisions and things like that, but he believes he's being sort of shut out by by the club and just sort of used as a, a figurehead. So he left. Uh, Mangshi was uh, fired last season after Eusebio Di Francesco, uh, the manager that he tied his future to, was fired. Uh, and they've... Gone about "quote unquote" fixing the team by uh, bringing in on loan just recently in the last uh, week or so Heinrich Mkhitaryan from Arsenal, uh, noted uh, shit heap of a player. Uh, Chris Smalling from Manchester United. I would say oh, he's got. Thank a few you, Roma. You guys podcast. are the fucking best, man. And then uh, Davide Zappacosta from Chelsea. Uh, Apparently, they were looking <laughs> at Mustafi, players. but we couldn't. We couldn't. We couldn't get them to take both of them. They ended up with Smalling yeah, you know, instead. They, they I think decided they, just they were just they were just too tempted by Chris Smalling. Right. Yeah, I mean he's probably better than Mustafi, but that's still not a great signing. But I don't know about that. I think these player I think these players are purely depth signings, mainly from the fact that they're on loan, and secondly from the fact that 
at center back to replace Manolas. They did sign Gianluca Mancini from uh, Atalanta, who's a very, very promising Italian center back, 22 years old. Uh, obviously, Atalanta got into the Champions League places last year with him as part of their back three. He's pretty much a seamless replacement and one that they can either build their defense around or sell on in a couple of years like they did with Manolas and get like a good chunk of change for him. The DOR signing, I like too, but they do already have a bunch of players there. Uh, Veratut, who they signed also from uh, Fiorentina, is probably more experienced in that position. It's not going to be easy for DOR to get into the team a lot, but uh, he, he's definitely one for the future and one that I really liked as part of Murcio Sarri's Napoli. And then they've. Well, they've I can imagine he wouldn't their, have gone their, to Roma if he problem. didn't have like promises of, of, of game time because. I'm guessing, like right. Well, Carlo Ancelotti just didn't have play young plans. players if they're already outstanding. But uh, Amadou Diawara is he's very much like a raw work in progress. He's he he will I, I think he will be a very good defensive midfielder, uh, but he's going to need a little bit of patience and like a good run of games to get in. I think he'll eventually get that at Roma, but I don't think he's going to be a, a jump off the screen kind of signing right away. Uh, the main one that. Uh, I, I was looking at as a position of need was goalkeeper, and uh, they brought in Robin Olsen last year to replace Allison, and he was terrible. <laughs> After uh, a summer where he played well at the World Cup for Sweden, he's since been uh, sold on to, I think, Cagliari. And uh, they've brought in Paul Lopez, the Spanish keeper from Real Betis, and he, he's going to be their guy, maybe Morante every now and then, but. Uh, it's it's like it's like Sevilla, where I don't have the highest of expectations for Roma this season, but they've at least put in a lot of effort and a lot of. Alex uh, likes his trash teams that are kind money. of like Chelsea, where they have a bunch of like garbage ass like players or like new young right. players. Right, teams, or teams they, that are they make you feel better about yourself. You're like, oh, well, they'll be good in a few years, and they're like Chelsea, so I'm gonna Javier. highlight them. Javier, tell me what the name of the segment is. Is it teams to watch? Ah, so Chelsea's a team to watch. watch. They may finish in the top eight. Of course we are. They may finish in the top eight. They could finish in the relegation zone. Watch Chelsea. I didn't say we're good. I didn't say any of these teams were good. Right. I just said watch out for them. I mean, mean, that's why I'm talking about them with Chelsea. They're they're going to be fun to watch. Chelsea's not good, but they're going to be fun to watch. Yeah, but we're fun to watch. Damn it, Alex. Defend yourself more. This is bullshit. I'm shitting all over your clothes. No, we're not talking about Chelsea. We're talking talking about teams that are going to be fun to watch this season. Yeah, but I mean, you guys will just love your garbage teams, Alex. You do this every year. Talk about your shit teams. You're you're like oh Napoli are gonna be in for the title like no they're fucking not like get out of here you do this every year your old baby sorry team you're like ah oh, my like sorry I I think Juve are gonna regress because they have sorry like I think they're gonna the title race is gonna be closer because sorry's on that team let's uh, let's save that for our. Uh Champions League. Okay. I want to save the Juve stuff for the, the Champions League. Yeah, we'll talk about them more we'll talk the about, League plot for sure. We'll talk about their league title chances hand-in-hand hand with their what they're trying to do in Champions League. So thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. I know it's a bit long, but we haven't talked about the European teams in a while, so we got had a lot to get off of our chests. Uh, keep an eye out next week for our uh, Champions League group stage preview, where we'll predict all of our teams to get out of the groups. And uh, for our Premier League uh, preview podcast. So uh, thank you, Javier. And until next time, see you.